Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. And to continue talking about the bait of Satan. A book that I've had for many years and taught on it about 11 years ago, I think. Something like that. It could have been 12. Who knows? I lose track of time. But just, the Lord just kept putting it in my spirit for a couple of months. And so, I just have learned to be obedient to the Lord and do what he said. But the word offense, just to remind you, in the Bible, that word means a movable stick or a trigger of a trap or even the trap itself. So think about that. When you're offended, when somebody offends you, that's like a trigger that can be snapped and a trap fall on us when we are offended. Jesus said, in the last days, many will be offended. So we know, he gives us a heads up, we know that we are all going to go through being offended. Somebody's going to say something to upset us. And unfortunately, it, within the church, within the body of Christ, when that happens, people tend to blame the church and leave. Because somebody offended them within the body of Christ. Well, what do you do when you're offended within your own family? You don't just walk out the door and leave. I mean, sometimes people do, but usually it takes many offenses for somebody to leave and say, I'm never talking to them again. Which is very sad because it's very sad when you find out that family members haven't spoke to one another for years. Not the way God intended it. But definitely not the way he intended it for it to be in, in his body, in the body of Christ. There's all kinds of scriptures in the Bible about us being one and getting along with each other and loving one another, forgiving one another. Why do you think there's so many scriptures in the Bible about forgiveness? Because it takes forgiveness for us to stay one for us to stay unified. I know that I really want somebody to forgive me when I say something wrong that I didn't mean to offend them or whatever, or even if I did say it ugly, and then I go back and like, I am so sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I really want them to forgive me. I really want them to understand my heart. But then, if it happens to me, how do I respond to that? Do I forgive them or do I just take that, hold on to it, and for the rest of my life, every time I see them coming, I go the other way. So, offense is a real thing. Proverbs 4 and 23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That word keep simply means to guard. 
Guard your heart. Guard from danger. Guard from offense. To observe, to watch with all diligence. That means above everything else. Above all else, guard your heart. Watch over it. Observe. So the word is saying guard your heart above all else because everything that comes out of it is your life. That's where we get offended. That's where we have trouble trusting people with our hearts. We know what they've said before. We know what they've done before. We know their actions. And so our heart says, don't trust them. Don't forgive them. They're just going to hurt you again. But that's not what the Bible says. Holding on to offense brings bitterness. It brings the root of bitterness. Bitterness shows up like this. You don't trust anyone. You can develop a horrible attitude and a spirit. We don't want to help anyone because nobody ever helped us. That's how it is when we become bitter because of offense. And before you know it, we've not only taken the bait of Satan with being offended, but now that offense is affecting anyone and everyone we come in contact with. Have you ever asked yourself, like, why does my boss have such a bad attitude or a chip on their shoulder? Why is my coworker so filled with bitterness and negative about every situation? Everybody they talk about, it's negative. All of that. Trust me, it's much more than a personality issue. That's not a personality That's bitterness. Could it be that they were truly offended? And the offense has become bitterness. And that bitterness has grown to a point of everything they say and do. I think we've all been around somebody that like, you just like, oh man, they wear me out (laughs) with their negativity. Everything they say is negative. Well, something has happened. If we could really look back into their life, we would see, oh, this is why they don't trust anybody. This is why they won't ever open up to anybody. They were offended at one point in time or another, and it has affected them. And sometimes bitterness comes in. If we have something critical to say about a person every time their name is brought up, then the truth is, We are carrying around an offense concerning that person. And it's showing up in bitterness within our spirits. Now, I know we don't like to admit that. I mean, I don't. I don't know about you, but I don't want to admit it. I don't want to think that I have bitterness toward anybody. I want to think that I have forgiven and everything's fine until somebody's name is mentioned. Then it's like, oh. Because... It could be a person that has offended us in the past. So, one part of being offended and never overcoming it, and I want you to listen to this, and this is one thing that John Brevere said in the book. He said, it's the unwillingness to admit 
that we were not completely right and the other person was not completely wrong. Now, when we're offended, we just want to, I mean, all the blames on the other person. They offended us. It's their fault. It would be hard to admit that maybe we just weren't completely right in that and they were not completely wrong. I've taught about this before. You've heard about it. P-R-I-D-E will keep us in a state of living offended. This is what he said about pride. Pride likes to hide offense. Pride doesn't want to admit ever that we were actually offended. Somehow it makes us feel so much better when we can say, oh no, oh no, that never bothered me. It didn't bother me that they called me an idiot. Nah, that didn't bother me at all. When honestly inside, we could be very offended and hurt. Our pride wants to make us look good or look spiritual all the time. So, somebody may say something to us and others could have heard it. Maybe somebody, there's a crowd around and somebody looked at you and said, you are an idiot. And the crowd laughs and everybody laughs and you're like inside this knife just stabbed you in the heart because when you were younger everybody told you you were stupid so then when your peers or whatever call you an idiot then that just stabs your heart but your pride is like Meh, that didn't bother me but the next time you see him you're like yeah, I don't really want to talk to them right now because we're offended and our pride wants to make us look like I'm above that I'm beyond that. I'm not going to, you know that. I'm not really offended. But the truth is, we need to deal with it. We need to get rid of it. We need to let it go. Pride distorts our vision. When pride is in control in our lives, when we look into the mirror and we're seeing a different person than other people are seeing, pride says, I'm the victim. Therefore, I have the right to be offended and to stay offended, which is just the opposite of what the Bible says. Jesus taught it this way. Judge not, lest ye be judged. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. Whatever you give out, that's, you're going to be judged in that way. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in your own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thy own eye? Thou hypocrite, first Cast out the beam out of thy own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Pretty strong words from the Lord. <laughs> and I think it would do us all, as Christians, followers of Christ, 
to follow the words of Jesus, even though it's hard. He was trying to tell people the way that you look at people and you judge them, that's exactly how you're going to be judged by others. And if you're critical and constantly looking at the bad in people and seeing the bad in people, then that's how you're going to be looked at. First, take care of the things that are wrong with you. And then you can see more clearly to help somebody else out. That's the way of the Lord, isn't it? It's the way of the Lord. Thank you, Sister Juwan. <laughs> I know it is not easy hearing things that get down to the nitty-gritty of where we live. I understand that. It is hard, but it is necessary for us to become Christ-like, to become more like him. That's the goal, right? And to be effective lights in the world around us. I don't want to walk around in the world and the world see me and me not reflect Jesus Christ. If I'm bitter all the time, if I'm angry all the time, if I'm talking negative about people all the time, why, there's nothing in me that will draw them to Christ because I'm not reflecting Christ. So I have to take scriptures like this and I have to do a self-examination and say, okay, Rhonda, what are you being critical of of someone else but you're not even looking at your own life and seeing the things you need to work on? I'm thankful to have a husband like I have, I can say honestly before the Lord and in public, whatever, and before him, that he knows more than anybody else knows the struggle that I have had my entire life with my weight. But he has never, not one time ever, not even hinted. Maybe he doesn't want to fist fight. I don't know. <laughs> No, <laughs> but never, one time, not one, ever, not one critical word or condemnation of me. Never. One time. <laughs> I'm like, you've never told me the truth. You have got to be honest with me. I'm telling you, you've got to tell me. <laughs> and this was his response. You could stand a jog. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that was good. <laughs> but I'm thankful because, you know, when we already have something that bothers us so much, you don't need anybody else to be pointing that out to you all the time. You're too busy pointing it out to yourself in the mirror all the time. But many people spend a lifetime building walls because of the hurt and the offenses that they have gone through. They refuse to let anyone else in. So they're not offended again. And again. And again. But here's what I have learned. I cannot have that agape love of God toward other people. If I refuse to let other people in. If I refuse to allow them to be a part of my life. If I've got walls built up and said, nope, 
nope, I'm not letting you in because you're going to hurt me and I'm not willing to be hurt again. Let's look at the example of Jesus Christ. The perfect one. The one who never did anything wrong. And he was hurt over and over and over and over again. What if he would have built walls and said, well, the Pharisees offended me, they're out. The Romans offended me, they're out. No hope for them. You know, if he wouldn't have let anybody in that offended him, then Peter, we would have never heard the message on the day of Pentecost because Peter definitely offended him. Along with most of his other disciples that scattered when they came to get Jesus, instead of standing up and defending him, they scattered. And Peter did try to defend him. And then he went off and denied that he even knew him. So Jesus was willing to let people back in constantly that offended him. And here we sit today, and he has allowed us access to his presence over and over and over again, and every one of us have offended him. What if it's not me, but someone that I know is building these walls? What if I'm acquainted with an offended person? They're bitter. They're hurting. And their actions are showing it. How can I help someone who has been trapped by offense? 2 Timothy 2 24 through 26. I love the word of God. It has an answer for everything. <laughs> it has the answer for everything. And the servant of the Lord must not strive. That word means fight, quarrel, dispute, argue with someone to let them know how wrong they are. It doesn't accomplish anything. So the servant of the Lord must not strive. In other words, we're the servant of the Lord and we're trying to help someone that's been offended. We don't need to quarrel with them. We don't need to fight with them. We don't need to argue and say, you are wrong. Yes, you were offended, but you're wrong in your actions and you need to get over it and all of that. It says, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, that means with gentleness and humility, such as I know what you're going through because I've been there. I've been offended. I understand what you're going through. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Teach those that oppose themselves. That means those who have set themselves up for retaliation. Those that are combative or critical. Those that oppose themselves. Instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. What is the truth? And that they may recover themselves, listen to this, out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Wow. We help those that have a critical spirit. Those who are ready to retaliate. Those who just want to go and say everything back to someone that has said something to them and has offended them. 
we can help them as the servants of the Lord, as the body of Christ. We can help them. But first, we need help ourselves. We need to recognize in ourselves, have I been offended? And if I have, what does that look like? Am I being critical? Am I constantly negative? Am I constantly, you know, saying something to other people and argumentative and all that stuff because I've been offended? But if you have learned to overcome that, then go and help and teach and instruct with meekness, with understanding. Not like, well, you know what? You need to get over it. You need to be a Christian. Don't act like you've never been in their shoes because we've all been in their shoes. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. John Brevere says there's two categories of offense. <clears throat> those who have been genuinely mistreated and those who think they have been mistreated but actually we're not. We've all offended somebody not trying to. And I can't say more so than other people because I don't know, but I feel like um, I have offended people by making a joke because, you know, I just think life is funny. And some people are like, that ain't funny. I'm like, but it's so fun, But it's not funny to them. And I have offended people because of my weird humor. So I try to be careful. Doesn't mean I'm careful all the time. Joseph was a prime example of those who have been genuinely mistreated. It was on purpose. It was on purpose. Often these training periods that we find ourselves in, like Joseph, we focus on the impossibility of the circumstances instead of focusing on God. All we can see is the trouble around us. All we can see is everything that everybody is doing wrong against us instead of focusing on the Lord. When I was texting Brother Austin today, checking on him, see how I was doing. What I wanted to do, and my reaction is usually, well, this is just the devil. This is the devil. He's just attacking your family. And that's what I felt like, and then I'm like, you know what? The Lord just put a check in my spirit. So there's a purpose in this storm that they're going through. And God is allowing this to happen for a purpose. Now, we very rarely look at things like that. We think if we're in the midst of a storm and everything is going wrong and the devil is against us and he's attacking us, and, and sometimes that's true. But we have a God that the accuser goes before him day and night, night and day, and he can only come and wreak havoc if God says he can come and wreak havoc. And if God says it, then there's a purpose in it. There is a purpose in it. Whether we are genuinely mistreated and offended, or just feel like that we have been offended, we always look for someone to blame. Even if it's God. I think it's just our human nature. 
It may sound harsh to blame God, but if you look at someone with a story like Joseph, that did nothing wrong. Maybe the only thing I can see that he may have remotely done wrong, and I can't say it wasn't the will of God, because, is that he told his brothers about his dreams. And that made them hate him even more. They already hated him because he was the favorite. Wore the coat of many colors. Dad never made one of those for me. <laughs> but he was just trying to serve God to the best of his ability. He was chosen by God. Sometimes other people are offended in us just because we are chosen by God. Jealousy. He was trying to serve God to the best of his ability, honor those in authority over him, and he was still treated terribly, thrown into prison and forgotten about. Now we read these stories and we're like, oh, poor Joseph, because we already know the end of the story. But if we take two seconds and just put ourselves in those shoes, sandals, whatever it was back then, and we put ourselves in Joseph's place, and we're walking along life, and we are living upright before the Lord, whatever men think, they think, but we're living upright before the Lord, we're honoring people in authority over us, we're doing our part, and someone genuinely just offends us, comes against us, sells us as a slave, gets rid of us from the family, lies and goes and breaks our father's heart and tells him that we're dead, just trying to get rid of us completely. And then God's favor is upon us and we, you know, start serving the king. Everything's going good and then this woman comes against Joseph. He wasn't doing anything wrong. He was doing everything right. He was staying away from her. He was ignoring her and she couldn't stand it. And so she went after him and then she lied on him and he gets thrown in prison. And he is in prison for a long time. And then the Lord uses him again and he the butler gets out of prison and he forgets about Joseph. So another two years. And, you know, it says he was put in, I think Potiphar's prison is what it said, or Pharaoh's prison, whatever it says. Um, so it was a separate prison, but trust me, it was nothing like the prisons today. <laughs> there was no floor. There was no TV. There was nothing. It was pretty bad. Now, if someone could have gotten offended, it would have been Joseph. And that just might make somebody offended at God. Here I am, doing everything right, and you still allow this and this and this to happen to me. Where are you, God? It might make somebody blame God for the circumstances that they're in. It's really hard knowing that God can do anything and can deliver us out of any circumstances, but he chooses not to in our time frame. 
We just might get offended at God if that happens. Disappointments that come in our life can be very offensive to us. Disappointments in people. Disappointments of our life dreams can offend us. Disappointment in God's timing can offend us. That's where we have got to walk. We have got to work on our walk of trust in God. When you know him. When you know him because you have read his word over and over and over again. When you know who he is. You have a relationship with him. You know him. You know his middle name is love. You know he is a God of love. You can walk through circumstances that are so disappointing. And you can walk through being genuinely offended. Where somebody offends us on purpose. You can still hold your head up high. You can still come to church and raise your hands. You may have tears flowing down your face. Your heart may be breaking in two. But when you know him, and you know who he is, and you know he really is the one in charge, he really is the one in control, even when he allows cancer to wreak your body, and you go through so much, but when you know him, and if you know Sister Connie, you know what she's spoken out of her mouth. He's still a healer. When you know him, you don't get offended in him. You don't get offended at circumstances that come your way because you know God is in control. He loves me. If this is happening, it must be for my good. He loves me. He knows me. When we are disappointed many times, we want to find someone to blame for all these disappointments. I know many ladies who have struggled immensely with not being able to conceive a child. They know what God can do. And... God chooses not to allow it to happen to them. But when you know him, you trust him. Doesn't mean that you struggle, that you don't struggle with pain. Doesn't mean that you don't shed a lot of tears in the midst of it all. But when you know him, you know you can trust him. All things, all things work together for good for those who are the called and are chosen according to his purpose. Sometimes we simply have a lack of trust in his plan. Some of God's plans are very hard to comprehend and receive. They really are. They're not easy to understand. But it's simply because we can't see even, we can't see tomorrow. <laughs> but we can't see two weeks down the road. I just returned from Idaho. And I am there and I'm listening to these ladies just, you know, after the service, just listening to people talk, meeting people. And 
I realized, like, who was actually raised in Idaho? Because none of these people were. So in the next service, I said, raise your hand if you were actually raised in Idaho. It was a fourth of the people in the room. Because the Lord had spoken to me and gave me a word for them. And so before I gave them the word, I asked them that question. Because the Lord spoke to me and said, Idaho is poised for revival. And I have brought people here from all over the United States to join in with the people that were raised in Idaho to bring revival to this state. And it was like, oh, okay, that's why I'm here. <laughs> I mean, every other person I talked to, Texas, Kentucky, Indiana, wherever, they were from everywhere. And now they're there planning churches having revival, and hungry for the Lord. It was very refreshing to be there and see the hunger in these people for the Lord. They're just like waiting, expecting God to do something. <clears throat> it's okay to ask God why. It's okay. He can handle it, as Brother Ayers has said many times in his teaching. It's okay. Just ask him. Just don't have a questioning, bitter spirit about what he's doing. A questioning spirit is when you question someone who's in authority over you because you don't think they know as well as you know. You don't think they've prayed, but you have prayed. You don't think that they have the guidance for your life because you have the answer. That's a questioning spirit. But it is okay to look up and say, God, why? Why are you allowing this to happen? I don't understand. But I trust you. But I trust you. When we are genuinely offended, it's easy to say things like, well, if only things would have been different. If only I was raised in a different home with different parents. If only I would have suffered, if only I would have not suffered the abuse, then things would be different. If only I would have had the opportunities that other people have. If only I could be like them. If only God would have made me differently. Or if only God would have intervened when I needed him, then things would be different. And then we remind ourselves of the truth. Does anything take God by surprise? Anything. Can anything or anyone besides ourselves hinder the will of God for our lives? No. Can anyone stop the will of God for my life? No. No, what we learn to do is those life happenings, things that happen to us out of our control, we learn that we need to heal from that offense. We do our part to be healed from that offense. And then we begin to minister to other people 
that have suffered the same offense that we have because we know where they're at. We can't just sympathize with them. We can empathize with them. And we minister out of that hurt. It's up to us what we do with the offense. Joseph is a prime example that no one and no circumstances can hinder what God has planned out for our lives. He had so many people against him. Everybody was trying to stop the will of God in Joseph's life. Did it happen? No. Didn't happen. They beat Jesus. They spit in his face. They ridiculed him. And then they crucified him. Jesus died. The one who walked on water died. The one who raised the dead died. And he died a very cruel death. It looked like it was over. Can you imagine the thoughts going through the minds of his followers? The ones who really had no idea what it meant when Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. They didn't understand that. They didn't get it. Maybe some of the disciples thought, three and a half years of our lives, putting our reputation on the line, family members turning against us, believing that he was the true Messiah only to see him hung on a cross like a common criminal? I mean, the Bible doesn't let us know their thoughts in that manner, but I can only imagine how they felt in that moment. I, I thought he was the Messiah. How in the world could he die? They didn't understand when he died still what that meant. It wasn't until he was resurrected that they're like, oh, oh, that's what he meant. But they had three days that they were probably really offended. Maybe some in the Lord and maybe some just at the people who crucified him. What thoughts must have went through their minds from the time of Jesus' death until Mary came running and saying, he's alive. He's alive. Some of them must have thought that the enemy won. Some probably thought that the Romans and the Pharisees, they won. Some were probably truly and genuinely offended at the way things turned out. Talk about disappointment. Some of them had three days to be really disappointed. And they walked with him every day for three and a half years. Now what are they going to tell their families and their friends about this miracle worker? They had committed their lives to his cause. They believed every word that he said. Probably was the longest three days of their life. You ever feel like that? <laughs> there are some days that are just a lot longer than others. But God had a plan, and not one person, not one circumstance could change that plan. 
Nothing could change that plan. They thought they were changing it. They thought they were going to kill him and do away with him and then all their problems would be over and they just fulfilled the will of God. Thankfully, after his resurrection, they didn't stay offended <laughs> because they followed his instructions to go to the upper room. The only way that offense can change the plan of God is if you and I hold on to it. We take the bait that was planted for our destruction and we allow the trap to fall over us and we remain in the state of offense and bitterness. It's the only way it could work. The only way it could change the plan of God. We are the only ones that can alter the outcome of the plan of God for our lives. Other people can't do it. I don't care what they do to you. <laughs> it doesn't matter what they do. It may feel like that everybody's against you. It's not going to change the plan of God. It cannot change it. We're the only ones that can change it. By holding on to offense. By walking away from the plan of God. We have a choice. Hold on to offense. Or let it go. And forgive. Move on. Walk right into the plan of God for our lives. Let me read you these two more things and then I'm going to be done. Satan may know the Bible. He can quote it. But trust me, he did not understand the plan of salvation. He put it in the heart of Judas to betray Jesus, believing that it would destroy the plan of God. Believing if he could just have Jesus put to death, then his troubles would all be over. When in reality, it just fulfilled the plan of God. I need you to listen to this statement today. Our offense, that life happening that genuinely offended us, it wasn't our imagination we were truly offended, hurt, whatever you want to call it. That situation that we blame for our mental state, that if only things had been different offense, it could be the very thing that is fulfilling the plan of God for our lives right now. I believe that I am a living testimony of that. I've said it before, and I will say it again. Was it the will of God for me to go through what I went through as a young child? The abuse that I went through? Absolutely not. It's not the will of God. But what I do with that offense is up to me. I can hold on to it. I can build walls so you will never get in my life. Because if I let you in, you are going to hurt me. We've all hurt somebody with our words or something that we've done. But I have chosen to follow after the plan of God 
what his word tells me I could do. And trust me, it's been this lifelong journey, and I'm still on it, of forgiveness, of letting things go, of not holding on to bitterness. But this very weekend, yesterday, Friday, whatever it was, as I watched those women and those young ladies fall on their faces before the Lord God because I was trying to tell them how much God loves them and who he sees in them. Something that I have had to learn because when you've been offended, a lot of times you take that and you turn it inward and all you can think is it must be my fault. It must be what I've done. I blame myself. I'm ignorant. I'm stupid. I'm, it's all me. When none of it was my fault. But that's the way the enemy takes and twists things around to make us stay offended and tries to keep us from fulfilling the plan of God. But the plan of God for my life and for your life is to take those offenses and forgive Give them to God, and then you may have to do it again tomorrow, and you may have to do it again next week and next year and continuously all the time because those hurts kind of stay in our minds and affect us. So it's a constant state of forgiveness. It's a constant state of giving it to the Lord, getting rid of the offense, not staying in the trap. Because if we stay in the trap, we can never help anyone. But if we get out of the trap, guess what? We get to help other people get out of the trap. We get to help other people get rid of the offense and set them free. It's the truth that makes us free. And the truth is, I am who God says I am. The truth is, I am loved. Even while I was being abused, I was loved by God. The abuse happens just because there's sin in the world. And there's a lot of sinners in the world and they live for the devil. And they take advantage of people. Offense is going to happen. It's what we do with it that matters. That offense in Joseph's life helped fulfill the plan of God. He said to his brothers, you meant it for evil. But God, the one who's really in charge, meant it for good. They thought they killed Jesus. I don't know what the devil thought about me and I don't want to really make this all about me. I'm just using this as, as an example. Maybe the enemy thought, I'll take her out. I will affect her mind for the rest of her life. Well, it affected me for many years until I decided to be obedient to the word of God and trust him and apply it to my life and it's been healing after healing after healing ever since then. He could not stop the plan of God from my life. I was the only one that could stop it. God has a plan for every person in this room. But if we hold on to offense, we hold on to the words that people said, we believe them, we let bitterness get in our spirit, that's what can stop the plan of God. But if we let it go, give it to the Lord, start healing over it, the bitterness will leave. The ugliness will leave. We will start giving out love to other people when they deserve it, when they don't deserve it, because he's given it to us. I want us to pray. God, we are so thankful for who you are. 
We're thankful for your plan for our life that trumps every plan. Every plan of the enemy, every plan of evil people, your plan trumps it all, and I thank you for it. I thank you, God, that what the enemy meant for our evil, you always will turn it around for good if we allow you to. So help us, God. Help those who have truly and genuinely been offended by someone else, been hurt by someone else, the abuse that has happened. God, help us to take that. Embrace your word. Forgive. Give it to you. Cast all of our cares upon you and allow you to heal us. Allow you to heal us, God, so we can walk straight into your plan for our lives. That we could affect people, God, in a good way. That we could show them who you truly are. That you are love and you are mercy and you are forgiveness. Oh, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for it. I pray, God, for your divine instruction to come to each and every person in this room, God. For this, after they've heard this word today, that you would instruct them of how to get out of the trap so that they can turn around and minister to others and help others. And I thank you for it, God. I thank you. Give you all glory and praise in the name of Jesus. Amen.